Now, we're in a series that we're wrapping up today that we've entitled Holidays with Hope, and it's been really a very home-bound theme, okay? And what we're going to do today is we're going to go from hope all the way to joy. Paul says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, I pray that, the, that God, the source of hope, and hope is expecting God's goodness, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. My hope today is that you and I will make some choices to turn our hope into joy. Christianity is a joy-filled faith and that's best seen truly in the Christmas story. Eight different times the word joy is used. That is why we say during this season, Merry Christmas and not scary Christmas, okay? Oh, that's okay. Pastor's pals, she thought it was pastor's pals coming up here. Christmas truly is a joyful or joyful celebration. Now you may be asking yourself this question, what is joy? Well, we know it is a, an emotion. It is a feel-good emotion, but it is more than an emotion. Let me set it up like this. Happiness is based on happenstances. Joy is a choice. Happiness is external. It's based on external circumstances. Joy is internal. It's internal character. When my family went to Disney World, now that's a clue, kids. It is the happiest place on earth. But when we left, we all fell down, doobie-doo, down, down, okay? Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. So here's my definition of joy. It is a settled assurance that God is in control and that everything will work out. And that is a choice that you and I can make and it is wrapped up in our character. God wants you to have a joy-filled life. Now, wouldn't it be great if we were always joyful all the time, that there were no Scrooges amongst us? Whatever you do, don't look at them and don't give them this thing like that, right? That there are no Grinches, that we were all happy, but that's not the reality, is it? Why is that? In fact, I was with a, a waitress at a restaurant. She says, you know what? People are just so joyful. I wish this would last all year long. And, and she looked at me because she knew I was a pastor and says, I wonder why that's the case. I said, let me get you the answer. We leak. And the reason we leak is because there are little things or things that deplete our joy. There are obstacles to joy. And one of the biggest ones is that we live in a very, very negative world. And so people aren't always joyful. This Christmas, I want to take a look at what depletes our joy and the choices that we can make to keep that joy there because we find all of these factors in the Christmas story. So let's get started. The first and the greatest depleter of joy is this, anxiety. I'm talking about tension, I'm talking about stress, I'm talking about fear. When anxiety comes in the front door, joy goes out the back door. Now what most of us don't understand is we read this nice Christmas story with Mary, that's a clue, kids, and Joseph and baby Jesus, there's another clue, may, uh, that Mary was under a lot of stress. 
She was a teenager, engaged. Any engagement, hey, it's tough, it's stressful as you move towards the wedding day. Hey, she has a virgin birth. What is that all about? She has to tell her mom, you know, I haven't slept with anybody, but I'm pregnant. Uh, She lived in a little town, okay? So you know that gossip was running rapidly. She had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey. Oh, that's really nice, okay? When she gets there, the baby is born in a barn, not some hospital. And then on top of it, and this is icing on the cake. She gives birth to a perfect child. Some of us are sitting here right now, man, I wish I had one of those, okay? But how do you handle that? These things and more add up to a lot of anxiety in the Christmas story. That is why when you read it, the phrase, do not be afraid, is used seven different times by angels. Why? Because anxiety robs joy. But Mary made a choice. And will you write this down? She trusted God and accepted his plan. Let me read the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a young virgin girl named Mary. At that time, Mary was legally engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Suddenly, the angel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, highly favored woman. The Lord is with you. Frightened and disturbed by this, Mary wondered what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have been chosen by God for his purpose. Now let's stop here for a moment. Just as Mary had a special purpose, an anointing on her life, guess what? You have a very special purpose as well. But you can miss it if you don't make the Mary choice. You've got to, you've got to trust God and you've got to accept his plan. Now, what the angel's about ready to say next adds more to her anxiety. The angel continued, you will become pregnant and have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Your child will be the greatest, the son of the most high God. He will sit on David's throne as king forever, and his kingdom will never end. That's what your mom and dad sent out about your birth announcement, right? Not, okay? I mean, this is no normal child, okay? This adds to her anxiety. I mean, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the mom of God. How do I raise God, okay? Then the angel adds some more fuel to this fire. Then Mary asked, but how is this possible? I have never slept with a man. The angel replied, God's Holy Spirit and his creative power will overshadow you. So your baby will be the holy son of God. It will be a miracle just as your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. For nothing is impossible with God. Now given all that we have read, if you were married, my guess is your stress meter is off the chart right now, okay? So let's bring it in the 21st century. It's Christmas. What's got you uptight? In-laws coming into town. They're already here. Oh, (laughs) your finances. How in the world are we going to pay for this? I just lost my job. Marriage problems. Folks, I don't know what you're anxious about, but I know what the antidote is. It's Mary's choice. You've got to trust God. You've got to put it into his hands. You've got to say, God, this is bigger than me, God. This is bigger than me, and I can't figure this thing out on my own, but I'm going to accept it as your plan. 
Notice that Mary did this in verse 38. Luke 1, verse 38. Hint. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left her. Now that is a pretty mature response for a teenager, don't you think? But let's bring it into our adult world. Have you ever said something like that to God? God, I'm willing to accept whatever you want for my life. You see, maybe if you haven't done that, maybe that's why you don't have a joyful life. Mary made that choice, and the result is joy. Take a look at verse 47. Mary said, my spirit finds its joy in God, my Savior. It doesn't say I find my joy in my friends or on Facebook or on social media. No, my spirit finds its joy in God. The biggest depleter of joy is anxiety. The second one is resentment. Resentment over a hurt. You cannot be resentful and joyful at the same time. Now, you may sit here and you may say, well, how well, or where in the world does joy come from? Well, it can come from anywhere in life. But mostly, I find that it comes from people who have wounded us. Maybe they've hurt us with our words, or maybe they've physically hurt us, physical abuse. Or maybe some of us here have been wounded sexually or emotionally. Whatever way that we are hurt, it hurts, right? And I'm sorry, I really am. We live in a broken world, and it is filled with sin. And as a result, all of us get wounded. All of us get hurt one way or another, some in little ways and some in very, very deep ways. I don't know the ways that you've been hurt, but what I want to say is this. Regardless of how you've been hurt, you've got to deal with the response. Resentment over a hurt will keep you from joy. Bitterness has kept billions of people from a joy-filled life. Now you're sitting here and saying, but George, where's this in the Christmas story? Well, have you ever considered how wounded Joseph was? He gets the news from his wife-to-be, the, the woman of his life. Honey, <laughs> I'm pregnant. He had to have felt betrayed. He had to have felt cheated. He had to have felt massive disappointment. Some of us know exactly what I'm talking about because maybe we've been betrayed or we've been cheated on. You see, back then, an engagement wasn't like an engagement as of today. Back then, it was a legal contract between two individuals that they were bound together, but they couldn't live with one another. And so when Joseph hears this news, he's got a divorcer. And divorce, I don't care, you can have the best divorce ever. It hurts, it breaks hearts. And when he hears that she's been unfaithful, he has to be upset. And he has every right to be. How is this possible? I mean, <laughs> you've, been, you've had to have been unfaithful. But here's the deal with Joseph. Joseph didn't retaliate. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't become bitter. Rather, he showed her grace. You see, this is the Joseph choice to remain joyful 
Will you write this down? When Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and let it go. Now, I want you to think about this story. You know, God can do whatever he wants, right? God could have set both of them down at the very same time and says, hey guys, here's the plan. This is what's going on. But he didn't. He shares what's going on first with Mary. And Joseph has to go through all this hurt thinking that his wife has been unfaithful. What in the world is God doing here? It is a test. It is a test of Joseph's character. Is he going to show compassion? Is he going to become bitter? Is he going to forgive? Is he going to get mean? But what does Joseph do? He lets it go. He shows her grace. Now, folks, this is what's going on at the very first Christmas. Are any of us going through that right now in this Christmas? You see, at the first Christmas, Mary was struggling with fear and Joseph was struggling with anger. Can any of us couples relate to that at Christmas time? Now, like I said, Joseph was, had every right to be wounded and to fly off the handle, but he doesn't. He offers grace and he lets her go. Let's continue in the story. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was legally betrothed to, to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, they had come and they had not come together. She became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph was a godly man who always did what was right. And he did not want to shame Mary or expose her to public disgrace. So he planned to quietly call off the wedding. Folks, that is a beautiful picture of grace right there. Joseph doesn't rub it in. He rubs it out. He doesn't hold on to it. He lets it go. He doesn't beat her. He doesn't embarrass her. He just shows her grace. So let me ask us this in the 21st century Christmas. Who's hurt you deeply? Who has hurt you more than anyone else? Are you still holding on to it? You see, if so, maybe that's why you're not filled with joy. You can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. Understand something, that resentment is absolutely useless. It can't change the past and it can't change the future. All it does is make you and I miserable in the present. Bitter ne bitterness never made anybody better. It just makes them worse. As a pastor that's been in this community for 30 plus years, I want people to succeed. And I tell them this, every time you rehearse a hurt and resent it again and again and again, you're only hurting yourself. Let it go. And of course, by letting it go, it doesn't mean that they didn't do wrong. No, they did wrong. And it doesn't mean that, that they deserve to be forgiven. They don't. They hurt you. But we've all hurt people, have we not? We deserve forgiveness along with them. Now, fortunately, Joseph, or yeah, with Joseph, God doesn't keep him in the dark very long. He sends an angel to tell him the situation. Verse 20, after deciding this, that is not to get even, 
An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, the baby that Mary is carrying really is from the Holy Spirit. So go ahead and marry her. And when the baby is born, name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Because Joseph didn't decide to get bitter, God allowed him to be in on a miracle. He got to be blessed. He got to raise the son of God. He got to be the stepdad to the Messiah. There's a clue, kids. God blessed him because he didn't get bitter. And so you and I have to decide. As we go through life and we get bruised here and hit there, we've got to decide, am I going to make the Joseph choice? Am I going to give it to God and not get bitter? But Pastor George, that is really hard to do. You're right, it is. It's hard to forgive, okay? That is why we need a savior. That's why we need the Lord in our life. We need his power to do what seems so irrational from a human point of view. We need Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. You see, we need the Lord and we need his joy in the center of us. Now, the third depleter of joy we see with the wise men, and it is this, confusion. You see, when you are confused, joy is sucked out of your life. I have been a pastor in this community for 30 plus years, and the most often asked question is simply this, what am I supposed to do with my life, Pastor George? I'm in this situation, and I'm a little confused. I don't know what to do. Or here's the classic one. Pastor George, I know you're really busy. And I look at him, I said, yes, I am, but go for it. I'm I'm here. I'll only take one minute of your time. Okay, And they describe a situation. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Now, when I hear that, I think, do you want the one-minute version? Or do you want the whole enchilada? But folks, that's the number one question that's out there. How do I know the direction that I'm supposed to go? I'm confused. Well, there's a lot of confusion in this Christmas story I would have us know. Mary is confused. Joseph is confused. Herod is confused. He thought he was to be the king of the Jews. Jerusalem is confused. There's a new king. (laughs) Maybe they're going to drain the swamp or something. I don't know. There's a lot of confusion going on in this story. Glad you got it. (laughs) And the wise men were confused. What direction should we go? As you read the Christmas story, they, that while they were in the east, probably Babylon, they saw a star, a star shining. And they thought, you know what? This is an unusual star. We need to go check this thing out. And they did so because, folks, they were magi. They were astronomers. Astronomers back then were the scholars of the day. They were the best of the best of the best in the way of intellect. And so they headed out with the light that they had and they weren't for sure where they were going because when they get to Jerusalem, they had to ask a question, hey, where's the king of the Jews to be born at? They didn't know, but they made a choice. I call it the wise guy's choice. Will you write this down? When the wise men were confused, they chose to follow God's light one step at a time. And let's read it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
We saw his star in the east and we have followed it here, seeking to find and worship him. Now Herod was deeply upset and bothered by their search. And so was most of Jerusalem as well. Once you circle forward, circle word, followed, seeking, find, and worship. Those are the four stages of spiritual growth. And each and every one of us are in one of those four stages. But these wise men, they were seekers because it says they came from the east. Some of us are seekers in here today. We're here maybe because of tradition. It's kind of a traditional thing, but you're a seeker. And that's good. I'm glad that you are a seeker and I am glad that you are here. That is awesome. Let me just encourage you with this. If you are an honest seeker, you will find him. The problem is, is that some people really aren't honest seekers. Some people are just lazy. They don't check things out. These guys were not. They were intellects. They were scholars, okay? And they were there to check things out. But lots of people don't care enough to check things out. I say this, that's not very wise. These wise men put in time and energy and effort to find the king of the Jews. I wanna ask you this, if you are a seeker, what are you willing to invest to find him? You see, they saw a star in the east and they headed out in faith, following the light that God had given them. They didn't understand everything and they didn't check everything out before they started their journey. They started with what they knew. And if you are a seeker, I would just say this, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Start with what you know. Now understand something, as you get closer to Jesus, people will get upset. The wise men upset Herod. He was jealous. The wise men set a, upset Jerusalem. They wanted the status quo to be the same. As you get closer to Jesus, what happens oftentimes is that people become uncomfortable with you getting closer to God. Don't stop. The story continues. Then King Herod sent them to Bethlehem with these instructions. Go and diligently search to find this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may go worship him too. Now, folks, we know that's a lie because later in the story, when they didn't return to Jerusalem, that is the wise men, Herod sent soldiers and killed all the children three years and younger. He was one mean dude. Anyway, these wise men didn't stop until they found Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you're a seeker, don't stop until you find him. Because here's the result. So they continued, that is the wise men, their search, following the star they had seen in the east. It went ahead of them until it stopped exactly over the place where the child was. When the wise men saw where the star stopped, they were filled with joy and rejoiced exceedingly. Will you circle that phrase, kids, that's a hint. That in the Greek means they were really, 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 really joyful, okay? Now here's the deal when it comes to you and I. When it comes to following hard after Jesus, we want a map with all the details. I hate to tell you this, God is not gonna give you a map with all the details. Well, why is that, Pastor George? Because if he did, it would scare you to death. 
If he told you, hey, you're gonna go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and all you saw on the map was Motel 6, as you say, hey, I can't handle this, okay? I mean, I gotta have Holiday Inns or a, at least a you know, Hilton Inn at minimum, okay? And the other reason is we wouldn't trust him. We wouldn't depend on him. We wouldn't pray to him. We wouldn't do a lot of different things. Well, then, Pastor George, what does God give us? If he doesn't give us a map with all the details, what does he give? He gives us a compass. He gives us a guiding light. What does a compass do? It points the way. It doesn't give you all the details that that are going to be on that way, but it points the way. What is that compass? It's called the Bible. The Bible is our compass. It doesn't tell you specifically who you should marry, okay? Um, If you're a guy, you need to marry a girl named Mary. Uh, If you're a woman, you need to marry a guy named Joseph. It doesn't give you specifics on the jobs that you should take, but it gives you the values pointing you in the right direction. So let's find out what happens here. They, the wise men, entered the place and saw the child with his mother Mary. Overwhelmed, they fell to their knees and worshiped Jesus. Then they opened their treasure boxes and gave Jesus their gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. There's a clue, kids, myrrh. They finally met Jesus. I want to ask you this in the 21st century. Have you met Jesus yet? And when I say that, I'm not asking whether you know about him. Folks, a lot of people know about Jesus. I mean, (laughs) over half the world is celebrating Christmas, right? Everybody knows about, devil knows about Jesus. Well, what do you mean, Pastor George? I'm a little confused. These wise men met Jesus. They had an encounter with God in the flesh. And they responded in two ways. It's said that they graciously humbled themselves and fell down on their knees and worshiped him. Have you ever felt like falling on your knees and worshiping God for the love that he has expressed to you through his son? You see, you may know about him. You may know his birthday is December 25th that we celebrate. But have you met him? Have you had an encounter with Jesus Christ? The other response is that they took their treasures and they opened them up and they gave him their best. Have you given Jesus your best or are you just giving him the leftovers? Well, what's my best, Pastor George? Your life. God gave his life for you. He can ask nothing less of ourselves. We give him our life. You see, maybe the reason that we feel so joyless and without hope is because maybe we haven't made some good choices. There is a song by Mark Redman. I love this album. It's called Christmas Lights, and the song's name is Help from Heaven. I want to read just one stanza of this or lyrics. There's a moment in every heart that needs a rescue. There is a season in every soul that needs a breakthrough. Help from heaven. We all need help from heaven.
Have you lost your joy? Are you worried and afraid? Are you filled with bitterness and resentment because of a hurt? Are you confused? Have you lost your joy for life? You need hope. Hope leads to joy. And what is that hope? Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. And maybe on Christmas Eve, you need to pray this prayer in Psalms 51, 12. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let's pray. I don't know where you're at this Christmas Eve, but maybe life has dealt you a bad hand and you are anxious and you are hurt and you are confused. What you need is hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. You need to make the choice of stepping across the line of faith, moving from knowing about him to having an encounter with him by just simply saying this, God, right now I admit, I'm hurting and I am filled with anxiety and bitterness and I am confused. Life has thrown me so many curveballs, and I've been hit by many of them. But today, I wanna to step across the line of faith. And I just don't wanna know about Jesus. I wanna have an encounter with him. God, I admit that I've made mistakes, but I believe that you are the hope of the world, that you came, you lived, you died on a cross, but you resurrected to give me hope that there is a future. And so right now, I commit myself to you. God, come in. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have in you. Make yourself known to me. Help me to see you, God, and to experience you in ways that I've never done before. Help me to walk closely with you, with the light that you've given me. If you prayed that prayer, would you just let me know on that little communication card? Just give me your name, your email address. Check the appropriate box and throw it in the offering basket as it goes by so that I can help you with some literature that'll help you uh, understand what you just did. Well, Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. <laughs> we thank you that there's so much that you have for us. May we see it all in you. In your son's name we pray, amen.